Craft Beer Radio, episode 23, December 16th, 2005. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Barron. And this week, episode two of our three-episode series on winter beers. It was a fun show last yeah. week. Um, great to do it, and I'm excited to taste the beers this week. Got a lot more beers that we've never had before. Which is obviously always something we really enjoy. We'll just move right into business, which is the first thing on our list. Sure. First, we want to thank Andy from Georgia. He sent us a care package. Thank you, Andy. It includes Good the... stuff. Terrapin Rye Ale, Terrapin's mm-hmm. Big Hoppy Monster, and some Celebrator Doppelbock for our Doppelbock show. Yeah, we can't wait to do that stuff. I really am anxious to try the Rye Ale, but because like, I haven't tried any, but I'm going to hold off until we get the actual Rye show, just so it'll smack me in the head with whatever it's there. So thank you very much, Andy. <clears throat> and now we have a little bit of a, uh, of let's see, how a, a situation, a theater of the mind. <clears throat> Stuck out in the snow, wind and cold? Wish you had something to keep those ears warm? Well, today is your lucky day. Go to sudsgear.com and get the Stone Brewing Tossel Cap before the next nor'easter blows in and you regret it. If you use the coupon code CBR, you get 10% off the total of your order at sudsgear.com. Don't go outside without your Stone Tossel Cap from sudsgear.com. Your mother would be proud. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> See, I can write the commercials and Greg can, Greg can read them. <laughs> <clears throat> if anyone wants to spread the word about Craft Beer Radio, let Jeff know, or let me know, Yeah, we have tell those, Jeff. We have those business cards, and I am sending out a couple packs of them to different people this week, and they will be spreading the word. Victory Brewing Company is going to have some of our cards around. Really? Like. That's great. Yep, Mike from Downingtown is going to put some there. It wasn't Dr. Mike from Minnesota last week. It was Dr. Steve from Michigan. We, we get that confused sometimes. <laughs> he sent in an email. He had a big laugh about it. Yeah. And uh, I felt bad. I, I mean, I don't want to... We're sorry. I appreciate everyone who takes time to email us. It's just when I have so many conversations going on with different people, it gets a little confusing at times. And Mike is a popular name, and there are a lot of Mikes who email us, and so and it gets in our head. Right. <laughs> That's not to say that if you're a Mike, you shouldn't email us. Please do. There are several ways you can send us feedback, being a mic or not a mic. <laughs> you can post us a comment on our website, which is craftbeerradio.com. You can vote for us at Podcast Alley and leave a comment. You don't have to leave a comment, but you can leave a comment. We want to push us a little bit more because we're only 60. We want to get at least to 50 so we can get on this first page. Yeah, so a couple more votes would be make the big difference and get us on the front page for the end of the month. Uh, you can call our new comment line. Well, it's not really new. Our old comment line. At 206-202-BEER. You can send us an email or create your own audio comment and send it to beer at craftbeerradio.com. All fun ways you can do things with your computer or your telephone. On to email. And hey, guess who wrote in? Is Mike. Mike wrote in. He had two questions for us. Bottle shop in my area has bright fluorescent lights along the doors of the cooler shelves. Would this light shining on even dark bottles for hours have any kind of skunking effect on the contents? Or should I select the six or four pack of bottles from the farther back in the cooler? Well, I think this applies to both milk and beer. Select the ones further back if you can. Well, you can. The um, normal fluorescent lights do release ultraviolet light, and they can skunk beer. We've tasted that several times. Yes. 
the uh, Samuel Smiths that we had last week. It was in a cooler with fluorescent lights on the side. You, they have ultraviolet bulbs that are UV blocking, and they can also get shields or filters for your UV bulbs. So you could ask your bottle shops if they've thought about mm-hmm. protecting the beer from the lights. I know the one bottle shop near here, I mentioned to them, they never considered the possibility of that. So I don't know if they ever acted on it, but make them aware that you, you know they should get some UV protection for these lights. And yes, it does skunk beer. Amount of UV that comes out when I was doing some research is in eight hours, it's the same amount of UV as a little over one minute in the on a sunny day in July in Washington D.C. Hmm. So significantly but, less than the sun is what you're saying, right? But remember, we were talking about skunking way back in a, one of our earlier shows. It only takes a minute or so of yeah. direct sunlight to skunk a beer. So it only and, takes eight hours to skunk a beer. Well. And you figure these lights are on all night long, yeah. too. They mm-hmm. usually leave those things on, so burglars can get in there easier. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, they can't skunk the beer. So talk to your bottle shop. See if they've considered putting UV-protecting lights in their coolers. And like we said, brown bottles are less susceptible to that, but still ultimately susceptible. Yeah, dark's best, UV-coated second best, and then brown bottles would be third best. Second question was that he... Normally gets a little head <laughs> when pouring into a pint glass. He told us not to read that on the air, so we had to. Exactly. When pouring into a pint glass, or any other glass for that matter. He uh, tried what we said about last week about pouring a beer, mm-hmm. and he still does gets very little head. And he asked if we had any ideas why. Some of the things that could be ruining your head retention is if you're washing your glasses in a dishwasher, or if you're not getting all the soap rinsed off, mm-hmm. that kills your head retention. A lot of people will not use soap on their beer glasses. Sometimes they'll use um, some kind of sanitation solution, like the um, the Idofor, which is the iodine-based sanitizer for home brewing. Mm. I know that some people use that, and I think that the bars use that too, okay. or something some of that blue water they dip all the glasses in. Yeah, it's something very similar where the cleaning chemical evaporates when it dries. So it's on the glass, doesn't need rinse because when it dries, it evaporates away like the iodine does in Idofor. I see. It could be, he wondered if it was because the beers were too cold when he poured them, even though he had them out of the fridge for 15 minutes or so. I would say that's unlikely. I mean, if the beer's at like 33 degrees, then it's going to pour with less head because mm-hmm. not as much CO2 is going to want to come out of the beer. But unless but it was, in unless most it was a frozen situation, block, if you took it out of your fridge in 15 minutes, the plant is... Yeah. In most situations, Funny. the temperature is not going to make or break your head. It, it, the ideal one is going to help, but it's not going to make or break your head. Um, there's tons of other situations. If anyone wants to comment on certain things that help or hurt head retention, uh, for pouring commercial beers, we know in brewing there's a bunch of things you can do. But for pouring commercial beers, something I don't know or I've neglected to mention, write in and let us know. Yep. Uh, Brian from Portland uh, said he just wanted to say how much he's looking forward to hearing our next show since we're tasting a lot of Northwest beers, are we? Yeah, we're tasting a lot I of beers. I guess so. You know, now that I look at all these beers, yeah. Well, well, one, well, that's going to be in the post show. Right. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's true. A lot of Northwest beers. And he says he hopes we like the Jubilee and Wassail, which are, uh, yeah, two of them yep. we're tasting, uh, which are two of his winter favorites. So we'll see if uh, we agree with him. And he says Bridgeport Ebenezer is good, too. So we have a pre-review for the beers we're going to be tasting. Thanks, Brian. And he wondered how we got these beers in PA. We got a care package from you. someone. So it's, uh, from it's, someone? I think it was Gary. 
Well, thanks, Gary. It's a guy that we thanked a couple episodes ago that sent us the boatload of beer. Like you said, we're really bad with names, especially. <laughs> it's not that we don't appreciate yeah, you. I am eternally grateful, it. and that's why we gave you plenty of recognition when I knew your name. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, new listener Craig wrote in. He says that aroma isn't the preferred term for the smell of beer. The term is nose. Jeff? He's a new listener. The first, mm-hmm. last episode was the first one he heard. And I, I said that I think the terms are interchangeable. Yeah. I find that the term nose is a little more snobbish, and I prefer not to use it. I prefer to use aroma. I think we just sort of say whatever comes to our mind, and aroma is what we think of when we think of these beers. It really, it translates well. People can listen to the show who don't necessarily know. Nose is a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, metaphor for it. And you have to think, and what do you mean by nose? Nose smells things, so it must be the smell of the beer. Yeah. Aroma is... Aroma. It's very straightforward. And people who, who don't necessarily, you know, we're trying to appeal not just to people who are really into beer, but also people who are maybe attempting to cross over into craft beer. And people like that are not going to get the whole nose thing or talking about uh, a crown. The less intimidation, of a head, the better. Yeah. Is talking about aroma instead of nose. Except for when we say how the beer tastes when we're talking about aroma. We do that a lot. Well, you do that a lot. I do that a lot, yes. <laughs> I'm really confused with my senses. This beer feels really good. <laughs> well, it's the coldest tasting. Oh, absolutely. It's been a long time since we talked about that. He also uh, says that pronunciation of Spaten, um, Spaten beer uh, he gives us the correct pronunciation. It's not Spaten. I think you said that once. I, I did say Spaten, and I've said Spaten, but not Spaten. Spaten, like so. Sprockets. The old Mike Meyer sketch. Yes, right? yes. Oh, we've had several listeners send us a link to the Belgian pronunciation website, which we've uh, given out on the show before. So there's probably a hint that we should reference that page a little bit yeah. more. <laughs> if, if we're, I guess, yeah. If they're sending us the pronunciation guide, then we must be screwing up something that's yeah. on that page. So we'll go back and look at that. Okay, so there's a link in the show notes. Jeremy from Pittsburgh had a question for us. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a fun one. Yeah. What is the most overrated beers, in your opinion? What beers does everyone love but you? Well, I had an instant answer to this question when Jeff asked me today. I said, Shh, that was easy. It's uh, Stone um, Arrogant Bastard. For me, it's just, it just it, it doesn't click with me at all, and people love the stuff. Love it. Right. People can't get enough of it. On BeerAdvocate.com, it's rated 91, which is like... Outstanding. Yeah, outstanding, which is just unbelievable. The, the Anderson Valley that we loved so much last time was rated 85. Right. That, to me, is ridiculous. The Anderson Valley, to me, is... And the Stone Russian Imperial Stout yeah. was, like, 93 or 94. It's the second best beer on the site right now. The Anderson Valley, to me, was heads and shoulders above both of those beers. And the idea that, that the Russian Imperial Stout should be the, the number two beer in the world doesn't fly by me whatsoever. So that's my answer to the question. I, I mentioned my problem with Stone a couple times. Right. So it's a very easy question for me. It was a harder one for me. I actually had to go through... Actually, thinking about... This really isn't overrided. This was expectations. The one beer that I had that I was really disappointed when I had was the Boulder Brewing Hazen Infused. It just mm. really let me down from, for no good reason I had preconceptions They do of it, Mojo, right? The Mojo, yeah, was pretty good. But the right. Hazen Infused, I thought was a... So I went through and looked at the, the highly rated list on Beer Advocate. And a couple that I thought were overrated was... Now, this is going to be fun. This is overrated, but... Okay. The Storm King Stout. I have nothing bad to say about Storm King, mm-hmm. but looking at some of the beers that are underneath Storm King, you felt the, much lower than Storm King. I definitely felt that it was overrated. Like I'd say Yeti is better than Storm King. 
Yeah, Yeti Expedition. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of Imperial Stouts in the same style that I would put yeah. above Storm King, and other people don't agree. So that's one thing I'd that say I would Storm call. King's better than uh, Russian Imperial. Samuel Smith Imperial Stout was ranked really high too. Well, I, we've, we have we ever had a chance to really try that? I have had it. Okay, and this could be a very good case of I'm a spoiled American who likes those bold flavors and don't appreciate the classic beer. Mm-hmm. It just seemed it was ranked high compared to the other beers in the list as well. And a third one, another beer that I do not dislike at all, but it just, looking at how things are ordered, is overrated to me as Le Fin du Monde from Unibrew. The end of the world? I do not dislike the beer. It just, comparing that to other Belgians that are farther down the list, I just think it's overrated. Hmm. So... I'm sure that segment is going to spar some feedback. I'd love to hear uh, people contesting us or people giving us their own uh, overrated beers. Yeah, that'd be very good for a feedback section. Yeah. So let us These, know where we're full of crap or tell us some other beers that yeah. everyone loves but you. And we'll go on to news. First news story we have is Oscar Blues releases two hand-canned seasonal beers. A hand can. I was telling Jeff before, this is mainly also, you know, they actually suck out the, the pressure from the can before they do it in the A lot snow. of these small canneries, there's um, one called Top of the Hill in Raleigh, North Carolina, and their canning system is a manual canning system. Really? Yeah, they it it has like four dip tubes, and it, uh-huh. they do four cans at a time. Hmm. So yeah, you think, how can you hand can a beer? They have these manual canning systems. So it's not wow. that unusual for these small microbreweries. They start out with this really small manual canning system. They got kids from the local, that top of the hill got kids from the local university, I think, and they were, you know, volunteering canning beer. Well, kids, I mean, they had to be 21 in order to do it, right? So I don't think so. You Well, at least in this state, Pennsylvania, you can serve alcohol at the age of 18. Really? So you can be a bartender or a waitress mm. at 18. You can't drink it, but you can serve it. <laughs> Hypocrisy. Thy name is... The beers that they're uh, canning, one called Gordon, it's a double IPA, and one called Leroy, an American brown ale. Leroy! Uh, we Oscar Blues did... Um, they do... Dale's Pale, Dale's Pale Ale. Pale which and, is really good. And then the Old Chub, which we didn't like. Which we didn't like. But it, it, the Dale's Pale Ale proved that you can have, have a craft beer really again. Good. They do say that uh, the, the Gordon is the world's hoppiest canned beer. Which, you know, before that, the Dale's Pale Ale was the world's right, hoppiest yeah. canned beer. Uh, Gordon is made with whole cone Amarillo hops, 9.3% alcohol by volume, 85 IBUs. They uh, made 400 cases of both of these beers, and it's only sold in Colorado. So we won't be able to try this unless... Unless so, somehow it gets shipped, yeah. Well, we Dale's have. Pale got shipped, so maybe we'll, we'll see. But these limited editions are only doing Colorado. Well, these beers are canned gift to our fans. Well, maybe if you happen to live in Colorado and you want to send us uh, a can or two so we'll forget your name in two episodes, that'd be great. <laughs> but we still appreciate it. Absolutely. The uh, Both these beers were released in bottles in 2003 and 2004, or at least the Gordon was. The Leroy is an American-style brown ale. U.S. and U.K. hops. It's a 5.2% alcohol by volume. And that's probably all the when interesting information. I think Leroy, I think of in World of Warcraft players will recognize this reference, Leroy Jenkins. But um, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, one last little thing I did want to bring about this. You don't see a lot of small batches in cans from these breweries that are canning because they typically have to buy cans in a quarter of a million can lots. Right. And typically you have the labels cans. put on the cans when they're made. 
So they got blank cans and they had to glue on labels by hand for these small batches. <laughs> so some of them are going to be a little bit twisted. Probably. That's cool. That's what adds to authenticity behind it, I suppose. Uh, Parliament members question why Young's Bitter was replaced with San Miguel. There's a pub or a bar located in the Houses of Parliament. and Now that's a great idea. Yes, it is. I bet I bet things would go a little bit more smoothly down in Washington if they could drink a, a couple, you know, right after they get off the Senate floor or the or the House floor and they drink a, a few, you know, talk to themselves. Maybe they'll calm down and be a little yeah. bit less partisan. So, so someone messed up and took Young's Bitter off, which is, you know, one of the, I'm sure has a beer of national pride being in the House of Parliament there. And they put on a Filipino beer, the San Miguel. The beastly foreign lager San Miguel, they say. You know, it's funny, now that I think about it, have you ever seen one of those parliament sessions? No. They, they carry them on C-SPAN, and uh, they're very rancorous. So maybe it's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently the San Miguel, being a, you know, international macro lager type of style, had a higher alcohol than the bitters do. So they were uh, talking about... In the name of good taste and indeed parliamentary sobriety, would you not help us get Young's back? That is funny. That's good stuff. Next story we have Anheuser-Busch Seasonal Beer Round 2. They are putting out a winner's bourbon cask ale, which is a second of the specialty series that they're putting out this winter. First one, or just this fall, I guess. The first one was Jack's Pumpkin Spice Ale. The winter bourbon cask ale is 6% alcohol by volume, available through January. A cask ale? It's not going to be on cask, No, right? it, it's the name. Yeah. It has dark roasted caramel malts, all imported hops, and aged in toasted bourbon oak casks, and whole Madagascan vanilla beans. You know, damn it if that doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> that Michelob <laughs> Celebrate that they put out uh-huh. is supposed to be a pretty decent beer. Huh. I haven't had it, but I've read a little couple people writing do write-ups on it. And it's supposed to be pretty good. Anheuser-Busch's brewmaster said that a winter bourbon cascale, carefully crafted, crafted to appeal to adults who are looking for a new drinking experience this season. <laughs> God. Their marketing never never stopped. Never new, adults who, new adults who don't know to look at anything that doesn't have right. an Anheuser-Busch label on it. But, I mean, yeah, toasted bourbon oak casks. Whole Madagascar and vanilla beans, all imported hops, caramel melts. That if you do it right, you can make a really good beer out of that. Yeah. Well, the celebrate was supposed to be pretty good too. So yeah. they're doing it. They're putting out these good beers in these limited quantities. It's it's a victory for us. We've talked about this in the past. Mm-hmm. Where if they put out a good product at a reasonable price, then you know it's not the beer why we're not drinking it. It's the politics. So. Right. So go Anheuser Busch. We'll see where they are in you know ten fifteen years. Mm-hmm. This next story is uh, just an interest for a small segment of our listeners, but slow news week, so I wanted to bring it up. There is the History of Philadelphia Craft Brewing. It is an ebook on CD, which is available. has a bunch of information about craft brewing in Philadelphia from 1985 to 2005. You can get information on it at pabrewerystorians.tripod.com. One of the writers is Lou Bryson, who we right. interviewed on the show, or exactly. interviewed. You, there'll be a link on our website as well. Okay. What beer am I this week? You don't have one. Well, we have a result. From we have a result week. from last week, which was Immort Ale. Immort, Immort Ale. Ale. Immortal. Get it? Huh? From Dogfish Head Craft Brewery. This beer comes in twelve ounce four packs. Has approximately three hundred and forty eight calories and thirty four carbs per bottle. It is a uh, yearly release in April. 
uh, says age as well. Who are, who are the winners? The winners this week are Benjamin, Steve, Sean, Nicholas, Scott, Rudy, Corey, and Dan. Congratulations, guys. Don't have anything for you to win this week, but maybe next week. You can feel all warm and shiny inside. Like I said, I didn't have a what beer am I for this week. I didn't want to dilute our product. Or I couldn't find anything right. worthwhile. <laughs> so we're going on to our first beer of the night, which is Wassail. Wassail from Hood River, Oregon. The brewer is Full Sail. It says on the, on the bottle here, independent employee-owned. Um, this is a holiday beer that's brewed every holiday season since 1988. 6.5% alcohol. And Jeff is pouring a um, sort of dark brown, maybe a molasses color, or caramel. Yeah, it's a it's a dark brown for sure. It's between uh, a caramel and, oh, not quite a mahogany, though. Yeah. Red highlights. Nice uh, fluffy head, but small. Very clear. Uh, very malty aroma. Trying to figure out what else there is. There may be... Um, I'm getting a little bit of alcohol aroma from it. A little bit of warming. I'm mostly just getting malt. I don't really smell any hops on there. It has a multi flavor to it. Mm-hmm. There's um, a fair amount of hop balance to it. A little bit of bitterness. Well, you know, it's weird because it, I, I was going to say it's, it's pretty bitter, but then that gave way to almost like a cherry flavor. There's some interesting flavors on this at the end. It starts out bitter, then it gets sweet. A little bit thin feeling or maybe it's not that it, it's it's thin it's that it seems to sort of be accompanied by a sort of a wateriness just a little bit a, a slight bit i only noticing it because you're mentioning it it seems surprisingly the alcohol is noticeably detectable for yeah. for being 6.5 percent what's really weird to me is is how that bitterness it, 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 it builds and builds and it starts to get unpleasant and then quickly turns into Sweetness. It's it's interesting. Very interesting after effect. Yeah, the more after you know the first couple of sips, it does taste more bitter now. Mm-hmm. Malt's kind of, or maybe I want you know imagined it was more malty at the beginning, but it's certainly tasting more bitter now. And now the bitterness is actually staying around, and I, I think it might be a little too bitter for this style. I think that it's this sort of lingering bitterness doesn't go well with with the rest of the flavors here. Although there's some really good flavors surrounding that bitterness. There's, like I said, some cherry, slightly chocolate flavor, too. I'm having a real problem picking yeah. out flavors in this one. This is, this, is a, this is a difficult one. This is different. It tastes different than other ones we've had. It almost tastes um, more like a, a distilled beverage in terms of the flavors you get from it. And it's giving me a... I just noticed this now. It's giving me a really dry uh, sensation on my lips and mouth. It's almost like a citrusy type drink, like a lemonade or something. Like the, the mouthfeel it's giving is a lot drier than... It's like extra dry. Mm. This, this bitterness is really staying right in the middle of your tongue. Um, and it does kind of, yeah. I mean, I'm starting to pucker a bit. That is interesting. I think I would like this more if that bitterness didn't sort of linger there like it is. Yeah, it's just getting more and more bitter as we drink it. Yeah. It's like every sip adds on a couple more IBUs. This is a beer that needs some food to calm it down. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, maybe what would go good with this. Um, Something as simple as nachos would go good with some, this. Some bread, some nice like Italian rustic bread. Okay. Maybe like a prosciutto. 
something fresh tasting, like a a fresh salad or something, might go really might go well with this salad. I think this is too too bitter, too potent for. I just think like like a lettuce or tomato would would probably you know offset some of the bitterness a bit. Yeah, but this is definitely one that needs paired with some food. I think by itself, it just really bitter. I wouldn't say this is a dessert thing either. It's just too bitter for dessert. Yeah. Something salty is what I want to have with this. See, that's why I said tomatoes, because I think that, you know, this sort of supplies the bitterness that salt might give you. Okay. So I would say, you know, because tomatoes go great with salt. Okay. So bring some of that on. It's not that thing you're looking for in the winter seasonal beers. Yeah. You need some more malt to it for that. For being a, a beer like this, it... Kind well, of similar to an arrogant bastard, now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think that you know that's part of the problem. I, I think of a winter warmer as sort of a relaxing beer. You sit down, you relax, you're not assaulted. And this one is hitting you a bit with with a little bit too much of that bitterness. It's not uh, not right for the style, and yeah, it has that kind of bitterness like arrogant bastard, <laughs> like kind of over over the top. I do think it would complement some food a lot better than it does by itself. By itself, it's just really bitter. You definitely need some food for that one. Mm. So what are we having next? Jubilale. Jubilale from Deschutes in Bend, Oregon. And this is DeschutesBrewery.com. Brewery started in 1989. This particular one is their winter warmer that's 6.7% alcohol. Deschutes has an annual production of 118,000 barrels. And they are distributed in Oregon, Washington, Alaska. Montana. Idaho, Hawaii, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, Nevada, Wyoming, and Northern California. This won a lot of awards. Beverage Tasting Institute gave it a 92, which is not really an award, but called it exceptional. Gold medal of the bottle condition strong ale category in 1998 Real Ale Festival. Uh, silver medal of strong ale from the Great American Beer Festival in 91. And the gold medal from the Great American Beer Festival in 1990. And like I said, bottle conditioned. And uh, this is one of those... Bottle conditioned beers, it doesn't have the uh, yeast at the bottom. has a little bit of uh, some kind of funk on the cap. Yes, it does. So that's yeast or something. <laughs> it's very dark, though, so it didn't look like what you'd normally expect yeast to be. Maybe Getting, uh, again, a lot of malt from this one. This is a dark, um, you know, it's almost the same color. It's funny. Maybe a slightly darker. It's darker? Because it's, it's not as see-through, isn't it? It's, it's not as clear, yeah. As clear and trans- and has a, this one poured with a lot bigger head, big fluffy yeah. head. I'm trying to pick out individual uh, aromas from here. Mostly, I'm getting I'm getting an alcohol aroma. I'm getting um, a little bit of a cinnamon. It smells like uh, bready breadiness. Okay. And the flavor it is uh, similar to the full sale. It has a little bit more spiciness to it. I'm not sure if it's spiced or not. I don't think the mouth have. feels a bit fuller. I have the bitterness is sort of hitting me more in the front of my tongue than than in the back, and it's it's cleaner. It's a cleaner finish. Definitely is spicier. It doesn't say if it's spiced or not. I don't think it is, but it it seems like to have subtle some subtle spicing in it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's bringing back some of that bitterness. I wonder if it's just, just sort of exciting the bitterness from the other one. So I need to wash my mouth out a bit. A little bit of water. Let's try this again. It's funny they're the same kind of beer, isn't? Aren't they? They're, they're that bitterness is coming right back. Yeah, they're surprisingly similar. This one does have more malt to it. It mm-hmm. seems uh, it's more balanced with the malt. If I had to 
taste them again side by side blind, I probably couldn't pick one from the other. I think I'd be able to pick this one out a bit more because the bitterness, like I said, is uh, not quite as jarring and it, it, it doesn't last as long. Okay, yeah, I probably could pick it out. So that's not really what I meant. I, I was just trying to make a point how similar they are. It's yeah, they're, surprisingly they're, similar. They're similar in in taste and similar in sort of intention with the hops and stuff like that. I'm, I'm so surprised because you know we've been doing the show for six months now, and we haven't opened two beers back to back that have been so mm. close to each other. This one doesn't really have the kind of sweetness, though. You know, the, the bitterness. The first couple sips of the Wasiel gave away to a sort of a sweetness, a sort of cherryness. Okay, but that didn't that isn't here. And that, that sort of faded with the wassail anyway. But that isn't here in this one. Um, sweetness comes at you first, then it's given way to more bitterness. Not really hoppy, just bitter. Yeah, this one. I I don't think this one's too bitter. Like we were saying at the last one, I think this was a good yeah. balance. Has a very subtle spicing in the flavor. Again, I hesitate to say spice names because I don't think it's spice. But I'm getting a little bit of a nutmeg type flavor from it. Mm-hmm. I, I taste that or too. Cinnamon maybe. But it's it's just you got to really go in and dig for that flavor. I, I think it. I think a lot of it is is the malt, you know, sort of brings out yeah. some of that flavor. Maybe a little bit of the yeast too. It very well could be. You know, we we never hesitate on saying spice names and flavors on normal beers, but Christmas winter beers that might be spiced, which we don't think are, yeah. are really hesitant to say what spices are in there. It's funny that and there's so many different, you know, there's, there's kind of a combination of different flavors in here that it's hard to pick out individual ones. This one has a little bit more alcohol, and it's a lot less noticeable than with mm-hmm. the full sale. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can't really notice it at all. Maybe just very slightly more the wassail. No, taste. I notice it more in the aroma than I do in the flavor. The wassail tasted surprisingly alcoholic for what it was. Yeah, and this one has almost none of that. Something about the there's something here about the artist. They pick a new artist every year to put a different uh, canvas on their on okay. their label. There's this guy who did this drew inspiration from youth spent in the Sunny Valley, Idaho area. Congratulations, Andrew Sewell. Yes. Sewell. Your your picture is on a bottle of beer. Which, in, in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. Which would normally never make it here. I mean, definitely, it definitely feels like a strong ale. These are all sort of reminiscent of, like you say, like the, the strong, stronger... Uh, Aggressive beers like Arrogant Bastard. Yeah, it's uh, certainly the the West Coast, you know, brotherhood seems to be pulling through on these beers. This one, you know, I wouldn't really equate to an Arrogant Bastard like the last one did because it just yeah. didn't have that lingering, really powerful bitterness. This one... Uh, but, but I don't want to say, I don't imply that the West Coast only makes strong beers. I mean, you look at two of our favorites, Anderson Valley and right. uh, Great Divide, made some absolutely spectacular beers that didn't try to kill you. Right. This one like is will stand alone by itself. The last one I said I need food to go with this one. Yeah, this one this temper- one's okay. This one stands alone, which is good. But I wouldn't buy a case of it. No, if I was buying a case of Christmas beers, yeah, this wouldn't be at the top list. You this wouldn't is- buy you wouldn't buy a case of many Christmas beers. I mean, I, I just this this week I I'm proud to say I bought a case of the uh, Winter Solstice. Okay, oh, which is hard to find, but I got it. But not many of these beers, because most of these beers are just, they're, they're, they're stronger. We, we talk about cases because here in, of course, Pennsylvania, that's the only way we can get beer. Unless we buy it by the bottle, let's buy it by the case. Sometimes we decide how, whether, how worthy a beer is based on whether it's case-worthy. Case-worthy, yeah, exactly. You only got a certain window to get this beer and a bunch yeah. of other beers. And while that was pretty good, yeah, it's not one that I'd 
buy a case yeah. of. I guess the question is, would you be able to drink 24 of them over however a period of time before they go bad? And I don't know. I'd be able to drink that one. 24 of them? Yeah. They'd last for at least six months. Oh, yeah. So, it, it'll, it'll, it'll last a long time. Uh, our next beer is Ebenezer Ale. It's from Bridgeport Brewing Company in Portland, Oregon. They are a smaller uh, company with uh, annual production of 30,000 barrels. It started in 1984. They're at bridgeportbrew.com. This is 6.4% alcohol and 40 IBUs. It has won an award for the silver medal at the Brewing Industry International Awards in London. Uh, and got the highly recommended rating from the Beverage Tasting Institute in Chicago in 2002. Both of these were in 2002. This is a heady beer. Yes, lots of head on this one. Big, foamy head. Another dark, caramel complexion beer. This one is a little bit more translucent than the last one. And speaking of big, foamy head, there is another beer podcast. Yes. Some guys I've from Tennessee. That emailed us. Um, their podcast name is Big Foamy Head. They get, talk about beer and barbecue. Check them out. And uh, they just they sent me an email because they finally got their sound worked out. So they have <laughs> better sound than they used to. And give them a listen. Let them know. There's always room for more beer Absolutely. podcasts. Absolutely. You, know, you don't have to devote yourself to one beer podcast. You can listen to as many as you want to. That's the beauty of podcasting. We don't have a schedule that you can only watch one, listen to one, and not listen to the other. Well, then there's a point where I'm quite backed up right now. <laughs> I have more <laughs> hours of podcasts than I have time to listen to them. I guess that's what happens if you really get into podcasting. You just start to realize there's so much content out there. It's it's hard to, to f- find out what you really like to listen to. And Well, I know what I like. There's just too much stuff that I like right now. So I actually, see. I'm having to cut things that you know I'd prefer not to cut just to keep up. Okay, the room on this one is um, citrusy and spice, and kind of there's some Christmas spice in there too. I think I'm not really, I'm not really getting much aroma. One of my noses is actually, my nostrils is actually kind of stuffed up, so it's a little bit harder. Mine too. You know what? Maybe, maybe we, that's why we're not so hot on all these beers tonight. <laughs> Could be. We both have one nostril out of commission tonight. And as you know, seventy percent of taste is uh, aroma. Yeah, the aroma on this one I'm getting is yeah, um, citrus, very citrus mm-hmm. hop. And the first sniff I took, I thought I got some, um, you know, some cinnamon spice or something like that. But I'm not gonna be able to smell that again until I taste it. I think because yeah. now I'm just getting hops. Hmm. Sort of a more floral beer, if you will. You know, hoppy, citrusy from the start. Kind of an orangeness. Now to it. let me bounce this off you. See what okay. you think. This beer tastes wet. Let me give that another sample here. And I took a sip. And I'm like, wow, that's a really wet beer. And the, what Jeff means by that, see if I can describe this texture-wise, it, it spreads very, it, it feels like it spreads so evenly that it just kind of hits you, it, it, it's not thick, but it's full. And it's, yeah, it's not watery, yeah. but it's wet. It was a different sensation in mouthfeel than you, you hardly ever get. It, yeah. So that's why it, I wanted it, to it, just, it, it kind of, it almost explodes in your mouth. And so that it, it just feels very wet without being watery. It's another hoppy beer. There's not it's much hoppy. malt to this one. And, but it's not really bitter either. It, it, it leaves you with a lot of this, these sort of citrus notes that sort of that are hanging around there. I, I notice a lot of orange. You don't get a lot of orange all the time. Get more grapefruit. But this is a lot of orange. Okay. It's, it's definitely a hop-forward beer. It's yeah. not very malty. It's interesting. These three beers I picked, granted they're all from uh, Oregon. 
So maybe, you know, that has something to do with it. Bet you the next beer is not hoppy. <laughs> it does have a light mouthfeel overall. It's not watery, mm-hmm. but it's that light, wet mouthfeel yeah. for sure. I actually I, I kind of dig it. I, I dig the whole um, the citrusness that just sort of tingles around sort of the, the, the outside of your mouth, uh, like the, the roof, the sides, sort of the upper sides, not, not your cheek so much. And maybe kind of the middle of your tongue, like in a band, not in like a, a, a... Sometimes beer, when the bitterness is there in the middle of the tongue, it was kind of like, it felt like an oval there in your tongue. But this sort of feels like a, a, a band right across your tongue. I don't know if it's because we've had the other two beers, but I could say this almost could use a little more bitterness. But it's probably because we had just had the last two beers. I, I you know, I think I, I tend to not like the overt bitterness. Well, because the other ones were overt, I'm having problems finding the bitterness in this beer. It's tasting decidedly unbitter, <laughs> and uh, that's probably because how my tongue is. Because yeah, out, I mean, we, we did hit our we hit, we did hit the beer our tongues with a multitude of different sensations. I suppose what you could say. So I could see how this beer could taste really different if we had it before the other mm-hmm. ones. So our analysis tonight may not be the most accurate. This may go well with, like, um, pasta. I'm thinking fish. Fish pasta. Okay. <laughs> well, like so, maybe a pasta, you know, like a linguine with calamari. It could be. I'm thinking, like, a, just a baked cod or something like mm-hmm. that would go well with this. Because it has a light mouthfeel. Yeah. And it's not too sticky. It, it, it's, it cleans off your, you know, it doesn't hang around on your tongue. So I think of a light, nice fish meal, this would go good. I just think that the, the floral... Oh, and the citrus yeah, you're the getting? Citrus. Mm-hmm. You know, with the, the lemon zest yeah. on the fish? Yeah. I mean, you know, it might go well with like a roughy, like an orange roughy or a um, tilapia or something along yeah. those lines. I'm thinking lines. like a nice flaky light fish, not okay. salmon or, okay. you know... Yeah, uh, like tilapia is a kind yeah. of flaky yeah. light fish. I mean, I don't know all my fishing, so <laughs> to me, cod's just good enough. Yeah. So. Cod is, is, is definitely good. Uh, snapper. I love snapper. Okay. Yeah. See, Greg knows his fish a lot better than I do, obviously. I know cod, salmon, trout. Well, salmon and trout are basically the same fish, more or less. They're Aren't very they? they're very closely related. Yeah, you get different flavors from them, though. At least I've, I think they're cousins in the evolutionary chain. Yeah, they're both scaleless, so they have skin. Cod is like, filet of fish is cod, I think, right? <laughs> Mostly, yeah. yeah. Or dolphin or whatever right. the nets catch. Yeah. Whale. <laughs> Which reminds me of you know you say cod. Um, I had a, we had a comment about the fact that uh, should I mention this on on the show? Yeah, go ahead. Um, one of the things that I mentioned in in the after show was that I one of the things I ate in Japan was cod roe, and you say what what is roe? Roe refers generally to reproductive parts. In in sometimes it refers to eggs. In sea urchins, it refers to essentially reproductive organs, the gonads. In cod, codro is sperm sacs. The jizz. <laughs> and you say ill, but not only did I find out that they're popular in Japan, but at one point it was a staple of the Irish breakfast. Really? Yeah. I would have never associated and like I said, codro with the you know, Irish. It was very. It was good stuff. Okay. It was. It, it was not like. Um, it was not gross. It was good. Okay. Sometimes you just got to expand your mind. Just go for it. 
Yeah, the comment was, uh, where else can he hear uh, podcasts about Codsperm? Right. I think it was related to we were talking about whether our pre-show and post-show, you can tell we've had some high alcohol beers because we're getting kind of off topic right here in the main show. Well, let's get right back after this. Yeah. Well, it was related to whether our pre- and post-show should be more about beer. And he was saying, well, he likes it sort of freeform. Freeform. So I am digging this beer. The relative light flavor, I just in my mood tonight, mm-hmm. and uh, it's fitting well. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, um, you know, compared to the other two, you know, especially the other two are so assaulting on us, and this one just sort of mellow. You know what we should probably do, I just realized, probably should talk about which beer we're drinking more often, because not everyone's going to be paying attention, hanging on every word. This is the Ebenezer Ale from Bridgeport. I think that's something we should work into the show more. Yeah, that that might be a good idea. Because I know when I'm listening to podcasts, I was listening to one on the way home, and I had to go back and rewind to figure out what exactly the person was talking (laughs) about, because I was dodging about 500,000 cars in the middle of my way. Yeah, well, it was a pretty rough day driving today. Our last beer of the night is Anchor. Anchor's Special Christmas. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, otherwise known as Our Special Ale. Doesn't say our special oil on the label this year, though. This is, um, we don't have any information, unfortunately, on Anchor, so we're just going to be flying blind. Well, here. on the Our Special Ale, it's a secret recipe oh, that they change every single year. They do a different label every year. This is the 31st year. It's a kind of a neat little collection thing they have. You yeah. can buy a poster, I believe, which has every single label on it. If you're into hanging posters up, I'm not. Jeff is probably. Last year's was a glass full of potpourri. And we'll see how this year's is. Very dark. Much darker than any of the other ones tonight. Very, you know, small red highlights, but very, very dark. And a lot of head is what Jeff poured on mine. And Jeff's getting a lot of head, too. So it's a heady beer. We get a lot of head here on Craft Beer Radio. Has quite a crowd. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know what? Listen to Craft Beer Radio and you'll get more head, too. If, If last year was a lot of potpourri, this is a lot of spice. Yeah, it certainly is. It is almost porter-ish. Yeah. It is, uh, instead of a robust porter, it's probably the color of a brown porter. Maybe a little bit lighter. Surprisingly dark. Which would, yeah, which I guess is, uh, for those not really equipped to tell what, you know, that means, it's um, a a brown, a dark brown, very dark brown. Mahogany, Mahogany, yeah. And it is not translucent, except for, like, the very bottom of the glass where you're getting a little bit of... uh, Brown highlight, ruby highlights, I yeah. guess. You but would it's say. not black, you know. It, it's it's definitely brown. A lot of the, you know, it almost there's ginger in there. There's um, boy, there's uh, cinnamon. There's, I want to say cardamom. There's clove. I'm able to get the ginger and cinnamon. The I don't know what cardamom smells like, so. I'll be lost there. The clove? I'm going to try to smell, but I haven't been able to pick it up. Hey, welcome to the show, Left Nostril. <laughs> left Nostril just opened up. Hey, congratulations. It smells good. I can't wait to take a yeah, sip of this Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's, let's get underway then. You know what it reminds me of? Cider. But you know what spiced beer it reminds me of? The Dogfish Head Pumpkin. I wouldn't say that it, slightly. It, not not. I'm not saying splitting image yeah. reversal, but but uh, if I had to name another beer that tastes like this one, I would say the pumpkin. Maybe because this this container here says cider on it that we have a six pack. 
oh. container that says cider jack on it. But the first thing I thought of when I was swallowing this was this tastes like apple cider. It has, you know, a cinnamon, it has a, a very, very fruity taste to it. And a lot of spices. And the first thing I tasted was this apple ciderness. And then it kind of gave way to more hoppiness. I would have never equated it with cider until you said so. I can see where you're getting it. Getting a lot of nutmeg in the flavor. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I'm talking about the dogfish head pumpkin. Because that was really a lot of nutmeg in it. Um, it has a medium light mouthfeel. Medium carbonation. Well, I like it a lot better than last year's. It's a little too odd for me. It's it's really different. It's um, get some chocolate aroma and or like aftertaste. And you know you get some really like a very dark chocolate taste. Very dark. Yeah, chocolate aftertaste. Dark and bitter. It. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't taste like like anything I've had before in a beer. I don't notice much carbonation here at all. You said it was medium carbonation. I don't notice much. I'd still call it medium. Has a actually, you know, when I'm swat, now that I took a sip, I notice it, and then it kind of goes away very quickly. Sort of keeps, I guess, a watery kind of film around. It makes me forget the carbonation there. Oh, that's this. That mm, I don't know if I like that. Really? Yeah. I'm enjoying the spice combinations on this. This would go very well with ice cream. This. That's probably why I don't like it. This this kind of reminds me of the stuff you know if you get ice cream with like a sort of brandy sauce. Okay. That is like oh we talked about that sauce. last yeah. week. I think this would go good with uh, ice cream, vanilla or maybe cinnamon. It definitely uh, tastes the nutmeg. Nutmeg is big here. Aftertaste. The aftertaste is nutmeg and and, and cherry syrup. Yeah, yeah, I could say that. You get sort. There was a little bit of a syrupy taste. It's not very sticky in the mouthfeel. But the flavor is a little bit of a, like a, a cherry syrup type flavor. I'm warming to this a little bit. But it's different. Very different. Make sure drank it fast for not being sure about it. <laughs> Maybe I want to get it over with. I don't know. <laughs> and, 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 you know, so the aftertaste is that you know, like a cherry, cho- like a to- chocolate dipped cherry. Yeah, it certainly is. It's like a yeah. chocolate cherry brownie. Something or another, yeah. And that's not bad. You know, <laughs> the more I taste it, you know, the more I think, you know what, that that's sort of wintry like you might expect. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's very good. What can I say? It grew on me. It's good. I mean, compared to last year's, which was like a pine tree shoved in your glass, <laughs> it's a lot better than last year's. I like this one a lot. Well, now's the time of the show where we rank. I think that uh, the winner, to me, is obvious. Well, actually, the, the winner, to tell you the truth, was on the pre-show. The winner, and the best, uh, in my opinion, was the Mad Elf. Let me let me just do mine first. The okay. Mad Elf is number one, definitely. That was really enjoyable. I really liked that a lot. Uh, next, I'd have to go with... Is it here? Here it is, the Ebenezer. Which was the one that I think sort of... You know, the best of it, of its kind tonight. The one that we, we sort of... Uh, it was fruity, but it wasn't like the other. It wasn't so bitter. Then, I, you know, I'm going to have to go with the Anchor. And Jubilee. 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 And then Wassail. Let's see. For me tonight, I think I'm going to put the Anchor Christmas first. Okay. Do what you got to do, man. Bridgeport. Ebenezer Ale second. Really? Yep. 
the Trogs Madoff third, huh. the Jubilee fourth, and then the the Wassail full sail. Or the full sale wassail last. <laughs> it it wassail, just wassail, wassail, drinking wassail. it here, just drinking beer alone on the show. It was overpowering. Mm-hmm. It uh, with food in a different uh, the mad elf you mean? No, no, the, oh, the, the full sale wassail. I think with food, um, it would be different. But just tonight by itself, it was just overpowering. The jubilee I thought was a lot better and very similar in character. So I liked those over those two. I would definitely have the jubilee The um, Trogs Mad Elf we had in the pre-show. It was a very good beer. The top three are really close. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason the top three are close and the jubilee is farther behind is it didn't have the Christmas spirit, if you will, the holiday spirit. It didn't have any. Really, you know, I'm looking for multi flavors in these beers. Spices are not mandatory, but multi flavors. And the first two beers were hoppy beers. Yeah. And just didn't seem, maybe if you live in Oregon, you know, that's what Christmas is to you. But, <laughs> but, you know, to me, it's just not what I was looking for. So, but the Trogues was very good. I'm not sure why I put that behind the. The Ebenezer. I just thought the Ebenezer was really drinkable, and I could really picture some good foods that yeah. that would go with. And then the, if you're looking at Christmas beers, this year's Anchor yeah. is a very good holiday Christmas beer with all the spices. It just, it's you know, it goes with the eggnog and the Christmas party and the the chocolates and you know all that stuff. You know, it just it just fits in with all that group. So I just think in the spirit of the holidays, that one is the top. Okay. So that's what I think. So now you know what we think, and uh, go out and buy some beer and get some great beer and enjoy it. The beers we're going to be doing next week are Celebration Ale from Sierra Nevada, mm-hmm. Winter Brawn from Lost Coast, okay, Brown Sugar from Lagunitas Brewing Company, Holiday Porter from Samuel Adams. So we'll get to see what they put out. We liked Rolled Fezziwig. We certainly did. Stout's Winter Ale from Stout's Brewing Company. In this one's going to be interesting. We're going to have to do this on the main show just because. The Winterfest Ale from Coors Brewing Company. Yeah. Go for it. See what they put out. Absolutely. And, and everyone's going to be curious, so we'll definitely make sure we do that one on the main show. So that'll be part three of Winter Ales. Thank you for listening to part two. Thanks, and uh, be sure to listen to the post show. We will see you later. <laughs> Catch you later. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Yeah, 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 yeah,